Welcome to Ohio Roots, the official podcast of the Ohio Genealogical Society. Join us as we embark on a captivating journey through Ohio's rich genealogy, history, and abundant resources. Hosted by me, OGS Executive Director Noel Poirier, this podcast brings you insightful conversations with a diverse array of guests, from OGS members, chapter leaders, and staff, to renowned genealogists, historians, and influential figures within the genealogical community. Each episode delves into fascinating topics and captivating stories. So grab your headphones, hit that play button, and join us on this enthralling journey of Ohio's roots. My guest on today's episode of the Ohio Roots Podcast is LaJoy Mosby, president of the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society. I'm very excited to speak with her because I have a particular interest in underrepresented groups in genealogy and how we as an organization and other organizations can reach out to those communities and assist them in searching for their family histories. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation with LaJoy. I know I will. I'd like to welcome LaJoy Mosby. Uh, she is the national president for the African-American Historical and Genealogical Society. Thank you, LaJoy, for joining us today on the Ohio Roots Podcast. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, our, our pleasure. I'm going to start with what I always start with, uh, with anybody, uh, is how is it you uh, found yourself getting interested in doing genealogy? Honestly, I found myself immersed in genealogy like several people, Roots, in 1977, okay. I was in college. I was watching right. the miniseries. Okay. And it occurred to me afterwards that my great-grandmother, who had died two years before, mm -hmm. would have been the key to all of the questions okay. uh, about uh, people who had lived in the uh, 19th century. And I was mm -hmm. a little annoyed with myself. So I decided <laughs> to go and uh, start uh, digging. Okay. Uh, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, a couple things come to mind. One is... I did an interview the other day with one of uh, OGS's chapter presidents, and one of the things she mentioned was uh, she started with all of her living relatives, and I and I've heard that from several folks who do genealogy. When I ask them, you know, where should you start, and they said, "Talk to the living; the dead can wait." Um, you know, and I find that as a fascinating story, and and I, and, I, and it's interesting too. Also, your comment about roots. I, there was a wonderful interview I listened to the other day with Lavar Burton. Um, where he was talking about uh, his experience filming that and his experience with Alex Haley, and I thought that was that was really an interesting cut because I remember as a child, um, I was I, I might I don't know I might be a little younger than you. I believe so. <laughs> but, um, but I remember as a child watching that documentary or that miniseries with my parents and and just seeing the that for the first time as a child, so I could see how for you especially that would be a a, a meaningful thing to do. And mm -hmm. sidelight, I had the pleasure of meeting Alex Haley when I was in college, which was kind of oh, neat. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so describe for me or for our listeners who aren't aware what the African-American uh, Historical and Genealogical Society's history is, what they do, and things like that. All righty. Well, uh, the the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society, Incorporated, as we say, <laughs> yeah. affectionately, affectionately known as OGS, OGS. Uh, uh, came about in 1977. Our founder was Mr. James Dent Walker, who was an archivist at the... Uh, National Archives. Okay. Mr. Walker was the archivist archivist. He had worked with uh, Alex Haley. And of course, this was the time of roots and the level of excitement and elevation in the, and I think all communities actually, mm, sure. around uh, personal or rather family genealogy. So there were seven founders who were in the, as we say, in the room where it happened, in this case, in the living room where it happened. And we have three, three of them are still with us. Uh, two are right. 
uh, university historians, and the other is uh, a retiree out in, in the state of Washington. We have, so we are 46 years old, and we have about 32 active chapters nationwide. Wow. The majority of our chap uh, chapters and members are east of the Mississippi, as we say. Okay. So we are working to push ourselves west. Mm -hmm. What is, what? what's the... What's the mission? What what is your kind of mission? I mean, I've, I've I visited your website, and uh, no, it's okay. I visited your website, so I'm I'm familiar with it. I, I tried, you know, doing the research for, to speak to you, but but I'm curious. I think our listeners would like to hear that too. I, yes, our mission is to our mission is focused on African ancestored family history mm -hmm. and genealogy, and we work to uh, teach our members and the public. Uh, genealogy methods and strategies okay. uh, with a focus on African-Americans, right. as well as providing educational uh, programming to the public and focusing on African-American history. Of, I, I call it from a sociopolitical standpoint because you mm -hmm. have to know what was going on right, with your family right. at the time to do good research. So right. that's what we've been about for the last 46 years. Yeah. I, I like the way you've combined historical and genealogical because I think uh, in a lot of cases, you know, genealogists, as, as you know, are, are birth, marriage, death focused. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm a historian academically. So for me, storytelling with that information is what's important. And, and I like how, how you've made a conscious effort to combine the two. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense, quite frankly. Um, well, we encourage our members to, to develop the information so they can tell the stories of their mm -hmm. ancestors. Sure. So we have, we publish a peer reviewed journal okay. uh, and we have a quarterly newsletter uh, so that our members and actually we, for the journal, you don't have to be a member of Vox to submit a okay. manuscript for the journal. Oh, so we, we invite people to, to submit a manuscript mm -hmm. to our, our peer reviewed journal. We uh, publish about two a year okay. and they are available on Amazon. Great. And so for sale. Uh, and so we do want people to tell the stories. We want people to be able to cultivate their family history in a way that it is sustainable over time. Right. And I think that it's easier sometimes to do if there's a story. Right. right, right. Uh, pure facts are wonderful mm -hmm. because the facts are facts. Yeah. But having some uh, as I said, social political context and just having some idea of what was going on at the time when your ancestors lived and what they might have been going through mm -hmm. and the decisions that they made and how those in, those decisions may have impacted future generations right. is just very enlightening uh, for our members and I think for the public as well. And you mentioned the, your peer review journal. I assume there's writers guidelines and things like that on your website. Absolutely. Okay, great. All of that's on our website. Right, because I know I, I know of people who I think would be really interested in submitting articles who may not have been aware of there was an outlet for it. So I think that's okay. that's great. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned programs and, and education. Are there specific uh, programs and activities that the society does to achieve its mission? Well, we have a variety of programs that we do. Uh, <clears throat> that our, our chapters, each of our chapters uh, develops a program that's germane to their own location every year. Okay. And of course, we have national programs as well. So this okay. year, we initiated virtual uh, monthly program, educational programs for our financial members on a variety of topics. And we have uh, one of the projects that we're doing now is the Civil War Blue Jackets. We mm -hmm. are in a collaboration with, I want to get it right, 
Northumbria University in the UK. Okay. And said, hey, we're transcribing these naval muster rows and uh, we were looking for our Englishmen and Irishmen, but we see all these African-Americans. Yeah, yeah. Like to help. We were like, sure. That's and great. so that's a program that our members and others uh, have been doing. Uh, we started a little bit after Memorial Day and we're going to culminate our participation on Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people always, when we think about the Civil War and mm-hmm. African-Americans, we tend to think about the U.S. Colored Troops right. or some of the other regiments that were formed. But mm-hmm. we don't always think about the Navy. And right. the Navy... Uh, was not segregated in that respect. And not only that, those men had pension records too. Mm. So if your ancestor lived near water, right, right. walked to a uh, a ship mm-hmm. and as opposed to a uh, uh, army right. camp. Right. And of course, uh, you might find them in the uh, Union pension records mm-hmm. uh, for for the Navy for the Navy right. during the Civil War. So we're working on that project. Previously, we had worked on a project uh, with the Embassy of the Netherlands uh, called the Black Liberators because they came to us looking for descendants of those who were who helped liberate uh, aspects of uh, the Netherlands and are buried in Europe. Oh, and fine. so. Uh, we worked on that as a national project. And so that's one of the projects that we have worked on uh, in recent years. And of course, we help with Freedmen Bureau transcription records. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of more recent uh, projects right, that right. we've done. And so that's just an example of some of yeah. the, the nationwide projects that we've done. But our pro- our chapters do everything from cemetery preservation. They do uh, a historical site. They work uh, with others around historical sites. They uh, they uh, help maintain databases that are germane to specific historical or genealogical aspects of the communities where they reside. Uh, they partner with local and state genealogical societies uh, also in the areas where they reside, and they do a lot of public programming and education. Now, you mentioned you have 32 chapters nationwide. Are they are they geographic chapters, uh, subject chapter related, uh, specialty kind of research chapters? They're ge- geographical. Okay. Um, as I said, most of them are east of the Mississippi. Uh, we are tr- we're going to work on reinvigorating our presence in the Midwest. <laughs> the pandemic was not kind to us in the Midwest, yeah. so we have to uh, we we need to go back and, and have a resurgence uh, 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 of rebuilding right. uh, in the Midwest and and farther west as well. We're trying to attract new chapters farther west, and of course we have. Uh, organizations and groups that are coming to us to say, we'd like to be a chapter of OGS. And so we're hoping to uh, work on onboarding some of those organizations that happen to be west of the Mississippi uh, uh, this year or early next year. Okay. One of the things you mentioned when we were talking about what what OGS does is that you you help people get, figure out how they can research their their Afro-American roots. Are there, what are... What are the unique challenges to to starting doing genealogy if you're an African-American? African-American genealogy, quite frankly, it, when you is very similar to everyone else, mm-hmm. except when you get to the period of enslavement. Right. So when you work, you're starting with yourself, like we always do in genealogy, that's the methodology. And we start to utilize that 1950 census now that we have. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And we work our way back to 1870. The challenges come in getting 
behind the period of 1870. Can it be done? Absolutely. It's done sure. all the time. It's done right. every day. Even right. though people that, you know, there's this this notion that it can't be done. It, it absolutely can be. Mm-hmm. I've done it. I know many people who have done it. But you have your strategy changes at that okay. time. If your family was uh, were free people of color, you will find them in earlier censuses. I know some uh, people whose families are uh, were free at, and, and they were actually in the 1790 census. So for some of those people, uh, they can take their family all the way back to the you know beginning of, of this country's founding. Right. Now, for those of us whose families were enslaved, we have to utilize a different strategy in terms of finding our uh, ancestors and working our way back. Uh, in that case, we need to ha- we usually have to um, identify the slave holder mm-hmm. and look at records that others might not look at. We might look at court records, probate records. Uh, if they're in the public domain, we can look at letters and Bibles and ledgers and things of that nature that can give you a historical uh, a pathway that can take you as far back as you can get. Uh, some of us can get all the way back to the 1700s. Wow. Well, maybe not, yeah. but it, it is uh, it is a challenge. That is the challenge, and it beca- it requires a, a different set of skill sets of thinking outside of the box, right. looking at things in different ways, not ignoring uh, records that uh, you might not look at otherwise. Right. So you really have to kind of um, think outside the box, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The Ohio Roots Podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Genealogical Society, the premier gateway for discovering your Ohio family history. To learn more about joining, visit www.ogs.org. If you enjoy listening to the Ohio Roots Podcast, we would really appreciate it if you could go to whatever platform it is that you listen and give us a good review. Reviews help us get more listeners and reach more people with Ohio Roots and what we're trying to do with the Ohio Genealogical Society. So please, leave us a nice review, and thanks for listening. You mentioned uh, COVID. Um, What challenges has your society had um, in achieving your mission? Other, I mean, like, and what I guess what I mean by that is, you know, we, the Ohio Genealogical Society has a certain demographic for our membership. Uh, we appeal to a certain demographic. Yeah. Um, it's tough to get other people involved and engaged. And that's one of the reasons we do things like our Ohio Roots podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, what are, what are, are, are the challenges similar for you, for your group, or are there other challenges as well? The genealogy societies by nature are boomer <laughs> organizations. Right. Uh, maybe some Gen X is in there, but uh, what we have done is uh, the pandemic was a time of, pivoting and flux for Mm -hmm. our organization, just as it was for most. Uh, Most of our chapters were able to pivot to a virtual setting. Uh, And many are still on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or whatever platform. Some of our larger chapters have been able to uh, go into a hybrid setting because they have relationships with organizations that have... uh, facilities that are set up for hybrid, which is, in my opinion, the best way to do it, even though, of course, we can do it with a laptop and a camera. Right, sure. But but if you're set up in a facility that is structured for hybrid, that is the best way to do it, in my opinion. However, uh, we, the pandemic also brought us an opportunity because you could 
belong to chapters all over the country because you didn't have to physically be there. Right. So when we all were being on Zoom, you could be in Ohio yeah. and attend the meeting in Maryland or the, the meeting in Georgia. And if, especially if you were uh, are researching those areas and it gave you some insight into mm. what those organizations or those chapters were doing uh, during that time. From a national perspective, uh, our national conference, which we had planned to have in Hampton, Virginia in okay. 2020, ended up being virtual. Yeah. And we've been virtual ever since. And of okay. course, our virtual conference is next week. Yep. And um, October 18th through the 21st, registration is still open. <laughs> and so uh, we uh, I don't know that we'll, I don't know that this will air before then. But we'll see. That's what all we can right. Do. It's OK. All right. <laughs> and uh, people can stay. Hey, you know what? We can we'll, plug we'll next year. We'll keep, we'll keep registration open just for you. Everything <laughs> recorded, so you have until the end of the year to view oh, great. it. So if oh, you don't great. get it, so you can go. Hey, we'll be right. glad to have you. Awesome. Anyway, you can, we can get you. Um, so we've been virtual for the last. Uh, this will be fourth year of being virtual, and um, it's a lot. It's been a that has been a shift. Yeah. Uh, because you know, getting people used to a platform, <clears throat> using. Um, and we've, and you know, a platform is not necessarily your association management platform, and right. trying to deal work with both is yeah. always a challenge. But I think that we have been able to do it successfully. And this year, we have over uh, fifty workshops, and there wow. are uh, two evening events, and we have a multi generational panel. We're closing wow. out with a multi generational panel on the twenty first, and in an effort to to bring in younger people, we now have a student membership for those okay, 18, sure. 18, 25. And we are really trying to engage um, younger uh, uh, folks who are out there doing genealogy work. Uh, we can't say this because they haven't been doing it as long that they don't know what they're doing because they right, right. have a significant um, technology wherewithal. Yeah. Uh, compared to some of us, right. and, and, and but I think the thought is that we have to um, help people understand that everything is not online. You can right. do quite a bit online, yeah, but you will miss yeah. uh, perhaps some important documents if you only research online. Yeah, uh, but and I think that uh, that is a little. Uh, you know, when you think about traveling to places and the cost of doing that and things of that nature, that is something that. Uh, can be a little off-putting, but I, I realize that, uh, and that's why genealogy takes time, right? Right. It's not it's not done in a week or a year. It takes sometimes it takes decades, right? But my TikTok video is only ten seconds long, boy. <laughs> I, I have to get it done. Well, that might be true, but you know, you may have to travel. You may have to get it, but go by car, bus, or train, right. and get to that place so that you can create that TikTok yeah. video. So. <laughs> Hey, you know, we, we, we try to encourage them. We try to yeah. encourage our younger members. Yeah, it's a challenge. And I, and I think, and, and I don't know if it makes you feel any better to know you're not alone in that challenge, um, but it is a challenge um, for all of us, I think. Uh, yes. and, and I don't even think just genealogical societies. Um, uh, yes. You know, I, I think it's uh, young people uh, don't join at the rate that genera other generations have joined, joined things. And, and again, 
you know, you and I are, are of an age where we have some extra time. Uh, we can do some genealogy. Maybe your kids are are adult or grown up enough. You don't have to play around with them anymore. Um, I couldn't picture myself doing genealogy when I had two kids, young kids running around the house. I, I don't know how that would work. But so it is a challenge. I think we all face it. Now, I should know the answer. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Lujo. I'm sorry. Well, I was, well one thing I was, you know, early morning. One thing yeah. I wanted to say was that uh, we have start, th- three years ago, we started integrating college interns. Great. Uh, to our conference uh, program. Mm-hmm. And so we have about 15 college interns from universities uh, all over the place. And okay. uh, we engage them to help be facilitators right. doing the uh, national conference to work on IT and special projects. You know, yeah. this is a very this is a yeah. a, a, a uh, segment amount of time that they have to do. And um, I think it works well for them. We've had people right. come back. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, from previous years who have enjoyed it. And it yeah. is our hope that uh, for those who haven't worked on their family history, that it mm-hmm. kind of does a, has a spark, right? spark in them. And then there are a few of them who have actually been researching their family since they were, you know, since they got that assignment in middle school. Right. And they're like, hey, this is a great thing. And, right. and we're trying to make sure that that generation knows that we exist. Because, you know, yeah. like you said, they're not joiners. So they, do they even right. know we this, you know, yeah. that's also the thing. Well, I know it's, uh, and you may share, you may have this again, we're commiserating, I guess. Um, you know, we have far more followers on social media than we do actual members. So, so, you know, the challenge is how do we convert those people who are obviously interested in what we're doing uh, and convert the, uh, convert those folks into members and, and reach those. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Paid members. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm-hmm. I know I'm kind of embarrassed not to know the answer to this. Is there an Ohio chapter of OGS? There was years ago, okay. uh, but we don't have one now. We have okay. people that live in Ohio. Right. So I, and I even I lived in Ohio for a couple okay. of years uh, right out of college. Uh, but uh, that's why I was saying earlier, we need yeah. to invigorate ourselves in the Midwest. Okay. Every, everybody listening in Ohio, you have a <laughs> mission now is to get your chapter together so we can do oh that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, you've been doing genealogy a while, I take it. Yes. yes. Do you have a particular... A story or or experience doing genealogy that you really kind of cherish. I mean, you, that 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 either got you going or you just were like, "This is an amazing find for me personally and for my family history." Well, for me, it ended up being my father's side of the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started my great grandmother that had passed away right before Roots was mm-hmm. on my maternal side. Okay. And that's when I started uh, to quiz my grandmothers and my great aunt, my paternal great aunt. She was the one that gave me a tremendous amount of information. Um, My father's mother gave, told me things that I didn't know. And I wish I had done a better job of interviewing my parents because it occurred to me that they knew their great grandparents. But, you know, as you say, you got to start, as my aunt said, she's so busy chasing the dead, you forget (laughs) And yeah, you don't want great advice because the living probably knew the dead. And so, uh, especially with, if they when they were children. And so I would have had a better, some better, I had some, I had some stories. Yeah. But I would have loved, you know, as we say, I would love to talk to mommy and daddy now. Right. Yeah. Um, my dad's, I was able to, to trace my father's line, um, really all the way back uh, to at least to the, my second great grandfather and uh, to identify slave owners mm-hmm. and to identify the slaves that they held all the way back to 1782. Wow. So that's my father's paternal line. Right. I actually uh, 
authored an article on that line that had to do with collateral relatives who were in the USCT. They were my great-grandfather's older brothers. Those pension files opened a plethora of information for me and confirmed information that I had already found. Especially right. since my great grandfather did a deposition and says, "Oh, oh yes, great, this is my brother, and yes, this is we married." And yeah. I was like, "Oh, okay, yes." And name <laughs> didn't name the names of the mothers, but right, like, right, of course not. <laughs> always naming the names of the men, yeah, but that's yeah. right. I have the names of the mothers, and I have okay. the maiden names, and it's okay. And I and I know how, how they came to be. Right. So, uh, one of the things that I would encourage people to do is to join the local historical societies and genealogical societies in the areas where you're researching, even if you don't live there. Yeah. The Woodford County, Kentucky uh, Historical Society was instrumental back, I mean, this was a decade ago, over a decade ago, uh, of working with me and, uh, uh, you know, I paid my dues and sent in mm-hmm. my research money and they would send me wonderful, I get this wonderful envelope of things back in the day before right. We were yep. emailing stuff to, to when things were just being printed off the microfilm reader. <laughs> and I still have all of those things. That's and great. It, that allowed me to really solidify the and identify additional information on my father's paternal side. So, yeah, that's that. That's, that's the one great. for me. Now I got to work much more on mommy's side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how has DNA affected researching the Afro-American genealogy community? I think it's opened a lot of doors. Because of the separation that occurred during the domestic slave trade um, Mm -hmm. from the East Coast to what at that time was the West, which would have been Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, you know, uh, Texas, Arkansas, Missouri, uh, that those families that were separated, DNA reconnects them. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have one of our our chapter members is the genealogist Melvin Collier, who you may know. And Melvin had. I love he he's, he's published three books, but one of them is called From Mississippi to Africa. And he was able through DNA to and a great deal of genealogical research right. and uh, working with family members and organizations and just doing a lot of research over the years to connect his Mississippi family and his North Carolina family. Um, they were apparently there was the same slave owner, but, you know, that's it's always the first son that inherits everything. So the second and third sons and daughters tend to move away. So they, so there, there were people that remained in North Carolina. There were people that were in Mississippi. And he was able to bring the two together by virtue of, of, of genealogical information and DNA brought people together. And he does a great, um, he does a great uh, series of uh, presentations on how utilizing DNA in addition to um, genealogical sources can help to bridge that separation yeah. uh, that occurred uh, during that period of time for African-American families. Oh, that's great. So what would you like our listeners to know uh, about OGS and what, how can they go about joining and where can they find out more information? Sure. OGS is a great organization <laughs> to belong to. Uh, I think most people who do belong to it enjoy it very much. Our website is www.aahg s.org. You can join our organization right on the website. Look in that upper right-hand corner. You just say join. I do is a 35 a year, uh, 45 for families. That's two people who live in the same house. We have uh, student members are $20. And then, of course, our life membership is $1,000. And we have organization memberships, which are $60 a year. Uh, we, as I said, we publish uh, journals. We have uh, 
uh, quarterly uh, news. We have virtual programs. Uh, we have, uh, we are trying, we have a significant email communications. I think the body probably feels like they probably get too many emails from me <laughs> uh, during the course of a month. I usually send about two or three with a great deal of information and trying to keep everybody informed. And as I said, our uh, national conference is October 18th through the 21st. The theme is Hidden Plain Sight, Recovering the, the Erased Memories of Our Ancestors in the United States and the, in the Caribbean. So this year we've added uh, about seven workshops uh, on the Afro-Caribbean experience because we have special interest groups in major cities like our chapters like New York and Atlanta okay. that have a lot of people who are researching uh, ancestors uh, in the in the Caribbean. Okay. So we are trying to broaden our scope. Uh, we uh, and we invite you to become part of Ox. Uh, we think you'll find it to be a pleasant experience. And um, uh, come out, guess come join us. That sounds great. Well, well, thank you, LaJoy Mosby, president of the Afro-American Historical and Genealogical Society, for joining us today on the Ohio Reese podcast. I really appreciate your time and the information. And let's go, Ohioans. Let's get our chapter together. We got to get that back and run it. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you very much. Well, I hope you really enjoyed that conversation with LaJoy. I, I really learned a lot, and I hope you did as well. Uh, LaJoy was just a real pleasure to speak to and had a lot of great advice and insight that I think would be useful to anybody researching genealogy, not just Afro-American genealogy. And it's kind of funny, but LaJoy and I talked for almost 25 minutes after we turned off the mics. She was just a really pleasant person to speak with, and I really enjoyed having her on the show today. The Ohio Roots Podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Genealogical Society, the premier gateway for discovering your Ohio family history. Hosted by OGS Executive Director Noel Poyer and edited by Luke Poyer. Theme song is Beautiful Ohio, recorded by Bob Stanley and his orchestra in 1944. To learn more about joining the Ohio Genealogical Society, visit www.ogs.org.